Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. Please make sure you get that number right. If you're going to text to give, we do not want you giving money to the mafia. I'm not sure how exactly that would even work, but thank you, Jimmy, for taking the offering. Um, Well, I'm so glad that you're at church. I'm so glad that we are stepping into this new series. Um, It's an interesting time, and, and we try to, every few years, do a series where we talk about marriage, family, home life, and I know that can be a little bit tricky because, obviously, Many of us, our home life looks a lot different. If you were to look across the aisle at, at the person sitting next to you, you, their home life is completely different than your home life. Some of you are sitting in the room and you're single, and you're like, oh man, what am I going to get out of this series? And I just want to tell you that the amazing thing about God's Word is whenever we spend time in it, it never returns void. And so no matter what your life situation is right now, if you'll come and you'll just say, God, I'm going to sit in the room and I'm gonna, I want you to speak to me. He will. Because he's good and because he loves you and because he has great plans and desires and dreams for your life and he wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see incredible things happen inside of you. And so this book will speak to every circumstance, but we've got to put our hope and our faith and our trust in it. Amen? So uh, we named this series uh, Extreme Home Makeover because Shannon and I used to watch that show Back in the day. Now, I know they did a remake of it. I never watched the remake of it. But, but back in the day, we used to watch it quite regularly. We would record it. We would watch it. Many of you know what I'm talking about. It was this show, for those of you who don't know, it was this show where they would start off and they would go and they would, they would meet this family. And the family was always like some incredible family that, that was doing amazing things inside of their community. And so it was like, you know, this this guy is a, a teacher, and he's adopted 72 children, and uh, his wife is disabled. I mean, it's like, just like, you're like, oh my goodness, how in the world are they even surviving? And most of the time, you'd see their home, and it was like a two-bedroom house, and they got seven children, and they've got, they've got you know, the, the parents are sleeping on the couch so that the kids could have rooms, and you, your heart breaks as you watch. And so they'll, they'll bring the people in that are going to do the show, and they'll interview them, and they'll watch the video and of the of the people like that have submitted a video saying this is what we'd like or someone will submitted it for them because usually the people were too humble to to uh, do it for themselves and then the designers will come in and they'll say hey we're going to take this house this little house that they have this thing that that isn't quite doing it for this family and we're going to in a week i think it was within a week they would they would the designers would come in and they would they would re uh, uh, assign what the rooms were going to look like and and change where they're going to rip out walls and they would bring in all these family friends and people from the community and they'd come and they'd demo most of the house and then they'd start rebuilding it and it was just this crazy thing where they would go from having this little house that was barely making it it had leaks in the roof and it had all these problems and then they would they would do this thing at the end where they'd send the family off onto vacation for a little while i mean if you remember the show you remember what i'm talking about and then they would they would get them into like a limousine or some kind of stretched you know suburban and they would they would drive them back into their neighborhood 
And when they'd get to the neighborhood, they would, they, would, they would park in front of the house, but right in front between them and the house was the big bus. And the bus said extreme home makeover, and they would, they would stand, the, the, they'd stand the family all out, and the bus is in the way. And then everybody in the crowd would yell this thing. They would yell, move that bus. Everybody remember, everybody, you tracking with me at this moment? <clears throat> the kids in the room were like, what are you even talking about? But, and then the, you'd, you'd see the bus begin to move, and then they would inevitably go to commercial break, right? It's just the way they do it, right? So then you're like, oh, come on. And then you'd see that they'd come back from commercial break. They'd reiterate what they were doing again. And then they would move that bus, and the bus would move out of the way, and the house looked completely different. You'd see the family members would fall to the floor. They'd cry, and then they'd bring them through and show them, here's all the amazing things that we've done for you. Here's why we've done it. And it was just, every stinking time I watched the show, I cried. And if that makes me lose my man card, then sorry. But every time I'm like, Shannon's like, are you crying? No, I'm not crying. I just started like bringing onions into the room with me and just started cutting them right at the end just so that I'd have an excuse. Um, it was incredible, the, the transformation that would take place, this, this thing that looked like it was not enough, this thing that looked like it wasn't going to serve the purpose that it needed to serve. And these guys would come in, and they, they knew what they were doing, and they knew how to transform something. They knew how to take something that was less than and make it more than. And they knew how to, how to, how to do exactly what this family would need in order to infuse some hope. And just the same, I look at families in unique circumstances around this room and, and within this body, and I understand that there is a lot of times when we are not functioning at the level that we should be functioning. I, I, as we step into this series over the next few weeks, today is more of an introduction as to why we're doing this series, and then we're going to get into some nitty-gritty and some stuff that will help each and every one of us as to how we should live our lives. But my hope is is that for us, as we come in and we say, God, I want to hear from you. I want your word to speak to me. I want, I want us to take this word and apply it not only to my life, but I want to apply it to my home. That I'm, My prayer is that there's going to be a move that bus moment for your family. Now, and my hope is, is it's not just a, a 30 second move that bus and then we forget about it, but it's this moment where we see things have changed. And not because the bald guy said stuff, but because the Word of God says stuff. And when we trust in that, then all of a sudden we begin to understand that even just like the show, there's a designer. And the designer, when he steps in, he says, listen, I can reconfigure some things so that things work the way they should work. So that things can function inside of your life and inside of your home and inside of your family in the way that I had originally designed them to be. So we're going to get back to the original blueprints as we begin to understand the way that God wants our families to be. See, there's a designer that sees the potential in you, in your spouse, in your children, in your home, but he wants access. You have to be willing to move so that he can do what he needs to do. See, this family could say, you know what, that's really cool, but we're going to stay right where we are, and you just work around us. How many of you know that wouldn't have worked? Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> All right, well, 
Um, can I just say, I'm just going to say this, because there have been all kinds of, maybe you haven't noticed, maybe you have, there's been quite a few little technical things that have been going on. And I, I was sitting there, and I was getting a little discouraged by it, but then I realized, you know what, the enemy is definitely pressing, because he understands the importance of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. It's a good thing he already lost. See, you have to allow for demo so that things can be rebuilt. So as we look at this over the next few weeks, here's my, here's my ask of you. It's this. As you're praying, and, and I want you to be praying, because many of you, you come to church, and it's just it's the thing you do on Saturday night. It's the thing that you maybe do on Sunday morning. And if, if something sticks, great, and if not, it's fine. I, I did what I'm supposed to do. But I want you to change your mindset for the next few weeks. And I want over the week, I want you to, as you think about it, I want you to just pray and say, God, uh, this week, I want my heart to be ready because I want to hear what I need to do. See, many of us, if we went around the room, we'd go, you know what? The problem with my marriage is my spouse. The problem with my home life is my children. The problem with my home life is my parents. Whatever it is, we always are very good when it comes to looking at our home at looking at the other person. And, and that isn't going to work because in order for this to take place, we've got to be able to step away from what we know, and we've got to be able to say, God, I'm, I'm going to allow for you to demo me, break me down to where I need to be so that I can be who you've asked me to be. Break me down to the studs so that you can rebuild me in a way that I am most conducive to the plan that you have for my life. And all of a sudden, things will begin to change. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13, says this. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. So Nehemiah has, God's laid this on his heart. He said, the walls of the city have been down, and I want to rebuild my city. And so you're going to go and you're going to do that. And so he's begun to, to put things together in order so that they can have the walls fortified again, and the city can again stand and be rebuilt and be the glorious thing that it once was. So he says, I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans... And that God had frustrated them. We all returned to the work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on with the work uh, with one hand supporting their load and the other holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeteer stayed with, uh, with me to sound the alarm. Then I, exclaimed, uh, I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. If you will fight for your families, God will fight for you. 
Let's pray. God, in the next few moments as we just begin this series, I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would speak to every one of us. Lord, wherever we are in our faith journey, that, God, you would talk to us, that, Lord, we would understand the importance of fighting for our families. God, some of us have given up. Some have said it's not going to ever work, that it's not going to move forward. But, God, I pray that, that tonight would be a night of revigoration, that, God, we would understand that you've given us clear direction And Lord Jesus, you will fight for us. So God, we pray that we will have a move that bus moment, Lord, where what we thought was not enough, where we thought was destroyed, where we thought was not gonna ever be good, Lord Jesus, that we will see that when we place it in the hands of the designer, that everything changes. So God, we trust you right now. We trust you with our marriages. We trust you with our children. We trust you with our homes. And God, we ask you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want us to look at this particular passage of Scripture because I find it quite interesting. There's an attack that's coming, and as the attack is coming, Nehemiah says, I want you to stay and fight for your families. I want you to stay where you are. I want you to stay where, where your family is, and I want you to fight for your brothers, for your sisters, for your children, for your spouses. And when you do that, he says, when you fight for your families, God will fight for you. See, many of us, we get busy. The wall was important. They needed to build the wall. That's, that's something that's super important, and they knew that, and they were working on it. But even in the middle of that, Nehemiah says, listen, I'm going to ask you to pause what you're doing, and I want you to not worry about the wall right now, because what I want you to worry about is your family, See, some of you have been building and building and building and building because someday I want to have a great, a great bank account because someday I want to have a, a bigger house because someday I want to have this and someday I want to have that. And, and, and all the while, you're not fighting for your family. And Scripture is clear. Fight for your family and God will fight for you. We must stand up and fight for our homes, for our children. So there's a couple things that we need to be, and that is committed to God and be committed to your family. What's amazing to me is these walls that Nehemiah was having them build. If you, if you went to Israel today, you could see some of those walls that had been built. That reminds me. Coming to Israel, for many people, is a trip of a lifetime. It fulfills their wishes beyond any trip they've ever taken in their life. Their Bible comes alive, their scriptures come alive, and they feel the power of our Lord Jesus Christ every day in their hearts. You too can visit the sites of cherished scripture where memorable biblical events took place. Open your soul to the Holy Spirit and deepen your faith as you walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Develop lasting friendships with your fellow pilgrims as you embark on this unforgettable journey of a lifetime. One of the neat things about being in Israel is all the stories that you've read, seeing where they actually happen, it just helps you connect differently to the Bible. The pages of the Bible become alive. It's no longer 
black and white, it's technicolor. I believe, you know, that Yeshua HaMashiach was the Lord and to come here and to walk where he walked and to see the people and how much joy they have and alive in this country, it's amazing. For the person who first comes to Israel, it's a little bit overwhelming. You see so many things that are connected to the Bible and you learn so many things that you've read about all your life. But then as the journey continues throughout that week, uh, you begin to just experience the presence of God and you see things that happen uh, and connect it with the Bible and uh, it just makes your faith so much more meaningful. We want to get that out there so that you have time to think about it, pray about it, and to save up for it. And we're doing Extreme Home Makeover, so you have to have a commercial break in the middle of the uh, sermon. <clears throat> but, uh, no, Angela has been working hard to put together uh, with a team out of Florida a trip that we will, we will go on in November of 2022, which gives you uh, time to save up. But she's going to be in the back in the auditorium or in the uh, foyer back there after the gathering and she would answer any of the questions you might have, but also she's just going to ask, if you're at all interested, you can sign up, and then she will be able to pass on information to you as we have it. But we are super excited for that trip. Um, I have been able to go a couple of times when I was a lot, lot younger, um, and I'm excited to go back because it is amazing to see Scripture come alive and to just see the places where we, you know Jesus walked and where other things in the Scripture took place. And so I just want to encourage you with that. I just had told her this week, I said, man, I'm going to talk about Nehemiah and the fact that you can go and you can see some of the walls that he built. And uh, she said, we've got to promote it this weekend. So, so that's why we're doing that, and I just want to encourage you to make note of that. Um, I want, to, I want to continue as we look at this scripture for just a few moments, and we're not going to take a great deal of time tonight because, again, this is more of an introduction, but I guess I wanted you to hear from me that we're in a time and a season right now where I know things are hard and, and you can't turn on the news. It, it's been really cool, by the way, over this last week, because last weekend I told you about the little red button on the remote <laughs> that, that makes a lot of things go away in your life. And, uh, and, and it's been really neat because I've had people say to me, man, the peace that I found from just finding that little red button. And, and, uh, and, and I know that we're in times right now where there's a lot of stuff and we can get so wrapped up and, and fearful even of what ifs. The what ifs are, are, are almost unbearable. But I look at Scripture. These guys are about to be attacked, man. Like the attack is coming. And, and it would be really easy to, to get lost in the what ifs. What if? What if they overtake us? What if they knock the walls down again? What if? What if? What if? What if? And Nehemiah says, listen, stay with your family. Fight for your family. And it will disrupt the enemy's plan. See, I know right now the church is under attack. It's under attack in this country, but it's even more under attack in a lot of other countries. 
And it can be really easy to go, man, we've got to do all of these things. We've got to fight to not wear masks. We've got to fight to not, to not be you know, socially distant. We've got to fight. We've got to fight. We've got to fight. We've got to fight. Can I tell you, fight for your family and you'll spoil the plans of the enemy. Because the enemy knows that if he can disrupt the, the family... If he can get into the family, if he, can, if he can stop you from caring about your kids or for, from, from uh, teaching your children what it is to be godly and to live in a way that brings honor and glory to him, Satan wants to destroy the church. But in order to do that, he set his sight on the family. Doing this is a costly commitment. You know what's interesting to me is, is you look throughout Scripture and you can see the importance of family. Even as I was thinking about the story of Noah, if you read that story and you know that Noah's been building this ark and he's been, he's been, God's been saying, hey, rain is coming, it's going to flood and all this stuff. And he spends all these years and all this effort and he loads all the animals and all this stuff and the rain begins to flow. But if you look at that, Noah was, was the eighth, it says, he was the eighth to enter the ark. He had six kids and a spouse, which means that Noah took the time to say, I'm going to make sure that all of my children and that my wife are safe. We got to understand that God has placed us into a position as, as men, as dads, as moms. Like it is not okay just to raise your children and keep them safe. We are to raise our children to be godly. We are to raise our children to serve God and to chase after him. And I know that even as I say those words, there are some of you that sit here in the room and within the sound of my voice right now, and you're like, my child is not serving God right now. And so even me to say those words, it actually brings almost pain to you because because of, of just that, that feeling, that sense of loss. And I want to tell you that over the next few weeks, one of the things that we're going to focus on and one of the things that we're going to focus prayer on, that we as a church are going to focus prayer on, is those children who are not serving God right now. Can I just tell you, you've got to come to a place where you don't leave it up to the preacher to save your family. You don't leave it up to the youth director to save your kids. You don't leave it up to the children's workers to teach them the Bible. Men, we don't even just leave it up to the mother to do these things. As for me and my house. So, I was looking at Job chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. When these celebrations ended... Sometimes, after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. And so this was Job's regular practice. Now, here's the deal. We can't even imagine the amount of work that that is. Like he would get up every morning and he would, he would not only do an, a burnt offering, but he would do one per child. Why? Because he understood the most important thing that I can do as a dad is to do something so that my children know God. And I want to put God's protection over them. 
for many of us, if we were honest, we don't even every morning wake up and pray for our children, let alone do something that would take this much time. We need to understand that as we walk through this series, that it is important for us to lay our children on the altar and say, God, they are yours. I trust you with my child. I've told the story in here before, but when our youngest son was going through all kinds of health issues, we were struggling because nobody could figure it out, and we had gone from hospital to hospital to hospital, and we found ourselves in Seattle Children's Hospital, and I'll never remember, I'll never forget the day that, that they, they kept walking into his room, and they brought classrooms full of people into his room from the University of Washington, and they would sit there, and they would, they would, the students would ask questions of the doctor, and the doctor would say, yeah, we don't know the answer to that. Yeah, we don't know the answer to that. This is our failure to thrive baby, and we don't blah, 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 blah. And my wife at one point said, do not call him failure to thrive baby. Call him Logan. That's his name. And I remember it wasn't too long after that that, that um, I, I came into the room, and obviously she had been crying, and she said to me that she had gone into the, into the bathroom, and she just was crying. She was upset, and she said to God, she said, he's not ours, he's yours. So we're just going to give him to you, and you do whatever you need to do. If you're going to take him, then take him. But if you're not, then I need you to heal him. And it was one of these moments inside of her where things changed because she realized, I've got to put him in the hands of God because there's no better place for him to be. And for many of us, what we need to understand is that God is calling us to this place where we, where we lay our children at his feet and we trust him with them. You may say, well, that sounds pretty old school. Maybe you feel like, oh, well, when you pray, when you talk about all that stuff, that was from a different time. Even as you talk about Job, that seems like such, from such a different time than the time that we live in. No, now is actually harder than it was then. Your children are under constant attack now. So if ever there was a time to say, God, I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to believe it cover to cover, and not only am I going to believe it, but I'm going to instill it into my children so they understand the power of who you are and who that I know you to be, then this is the time. If you will fight for your family, God will fight for you. Does that mean that your child won't go through a season of rebellion? No, it does not. But it does mean that God will bring them through. Look at your neighbor and say through. We did a whole series called Through. Why? Because we, we live in a time where the valleys are many. The pain is real. The struggle is hard. But if we as believers can get to a place where we go, I believe that my God is going to get me through this. Your child will get through it. I know that to be true. But you've got to get to a place where you say, God, he's yours. God, she's yours. Now, for some of you, your children are grown and they're not serving God and you know that you're struggling right now and we're going to pray. But for those of you who used to have children at home, this is the time. This is now when you need, to, you need to dig in and you need to say, I'm going to make a priority of fighting for my family. Don't get so distracted by building the wall that you lose sight of what's actually important, and that is fighting for your family. We cannot allow the Internet to raise our children. 
We won't let social media raise our children. We will say no to video games having more influence than us. Hollywood will not dictate our children's morality. Many of your children spend more time with YouTube influencers than they do with you influencing them. We need to put them on the altar and we need to cover our family. If ever there is a cause worth fighting for, it's our families. I was thinking about some other Old Testament people, Ahab and Jezebel, who were reckless. They were not God-fearing. They lived in a horrific life, and they lived uh, in a place where they ended up with, they had 70 between their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. They had 70. I can't even imagine what Christmas would have looked like. <laughs> Thankfully, Jesus hadn't come yet and wasn't born, so there was no Christmas. But I can't even imagine what that would have looked like. But as we read their story, they did not serve God. They did not care about their children and what their children did. And can I tell you that the day came when the enemy attacked and all 70 of their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren were all killed in one fell swoop. And then I, was, I, I saw that there's another man in the Bible named Obadidim. And he also had 70 kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids. Now, you don't know much about him. He's not one that if you went to Sunday school when you were a kid, they didn't have like a felt board uh, version of him. Come on, felt board, let's go. Um, some of you are just would cheer for anything, so I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, they did not have a felt board Obadidim. They didn't. He's not a guy that you know much of, but... What happened is the day came and they needed to put the Ark of the Covenant somewhere. And so he volunteered and he said, well, put it in my house. And so he put it in the center of his home and, and he protected it for, for three months. He held on to the Ark of the Covenant, which is God in a box. It's, it's the presence of God wherever it went. And so he took this box and he put it in the middle of his house and he said, this is going to be important to us and we're going to take care of this and it's going to be something we pay attention to. And can I tell you that every one of his children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren ended up working in the temple. They all ended up serving God. So I thought about those two things and I thought, what's the difference? The difference is one group says, we don't really care about that stuff and their children end up dying. They get lost to the enemy. And this, this man says, we're not only going to care about it, we're going to put it in the center of what we do. It's in the center of our home. So over the next few weeks, my hope is and my prayer for you is that I'm going to help you as we dig into God's word that we'll begin to understand how is it that I can put this in the center of my home. Because it's then that our children will see. You see, it can't be something that we just do on the weekends. It can't be something that we just go, you know what? If we don't have anything else going on this weekend, we'll go and be a part of church. You know what? If, if everything else falls through, we'll spend a little time in God's Word. If there's nothing good on TV, we might put on some worship music. Obadiah took it, he took, and he said, it's in the center of the house. It's here. It's that important. It was probably inconvenient. I don't know how big their house was. They had to walk around it everywhere they went. Like, 
kids trying to use it as like a coffee table. No, 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 no. That's God in a box. Don't use that as a coffee table, please. Bring God into the center of your home and your children will flourish. We've got to beware of dangerous distractions. What are you doing right? What you're doing right now is so important. Being here is so important. Your kids being at that end is so important. You're teaching them by just showing up. You're saying this is important to us. It's more important than any ball game that's on right now. I watched the earlier ball game. I did. But I'll tell you right now, I have some, I have some days off. And had my game been on this evening, I would still be here. Right? I'm not going to take the time off to do that. I have a DVR. We're fine. Right? See, what we need to understand is we teach our children by what we do. When we say, hey, God's important, but your kids never even see you open this? When we say our faith journey, that's so important to us, but then every time there's another reason not to go to church, we don't go. They see. Philemon chapter 1 verse 2. Paul says, and the church that meets in your house. Dad's in the room. What you need to understand is when we're called to be the priest of the home, that means church is in your house. That's what it means. So there should be church in your house. Some way, somehow. And I get it. We're going to talk a little bit about this in the, in the weeks to come because I feel like we live in a society right now where the role of men have been so diminished Men on, you turn on any sitcom and they're the butt of the joke. That's not how God sees you. He calls you the priest of your home. So let's not let Hollywood dictate who we are. Because they're liars. Why? Because the enemy's using that to diminish men because he knows that that's an attack on the family. And the more he attacks the family, the more he's going to win. But we're told, defend the family, and God will fight for you. I want to just tell you right now that as we talk about this, that our children are watching and they're paying attention. Up until between like 14 and 15, your kids will, for the most part, do what you tell them to do. And then there will be a season where they lose their hearing for a little while. And then they'll come out of that season and they'll come to a place where maybe they're 17, 18. They're going to do what you do, not what you say anymore. See, we're really good at telling them what they should do, but they're watching you. They're watching me. Do you actually do what you say or do you just say it? We got to lead. And as we get into this series, I believe with all my heart that some of you who have given up the fight, you've, you've said, it's not going to work. Some of you, it's with your marriage. 
Some of you, it's with your children. Whatever it is, you, you're in this place where you're like, man, this house is too run down. There's no way we'll recover. There's no way we can live here. There's no way things can move forward. And I'm telling you, my prayer is move that bus. Because God is able to take what is lacking in you. And he's able to do something so much bigger than you could ever imagine. And if you're in the room and you're like, man, I'm single and I don't have kids, can I tell you? Then you need to listen. Women in the house, you need to listen. What does the man look like that I'm looking for? Guys in the house, what am I to be and who is she to be to me? Because many of us have gotten to a place, even as I talk to single people, we've gotten to this place because of online dating and all of this stuff. We've gotten to a place where we're just like, we're just reading about the person. And can I tell you, just, just in case you didn't know, they can write anything they want about themselves in there. But my prayer for you, if you're single, is that in this, in this moment, God is going to gel inside of you. What is it that I should be expecting? You are a child of the Most High King, and you don't have to settle for scraps under the table. He's, he's placed a seat for you at the table. I believe with all my heart that if you'll come and say, God, these are the things that I know inside of my home that need, need to be different, God is able but for some of you, tonight was just a moment where I wanted to give you a little bit of a wake-up call because I want you to understand, quit building the wall and fight for your family. Quit believing that the enemy's going to take you out. Fight for your family. Fight for your family. That family member that's gone astray, fight for your family tonight. So I'm going to ask everybody in the room, if you'll close your eyes with me, I want to take a moment right now. We're going to pray, and then the worship team's going to come, and they're going to just lead us in some more worship. But this is the beginning. But I believe with all my heart that tonight, for some of you, this beginning to this series is actually going to be a moment where there's going to be breakthrough that takes place. See, God doesn't have to wait for me to finish the series to do what he wants to do. He's the one that does it. But I want, I, I want, for some of you, you got it. Like tonight is a night where you're going to just reaffirm, I'm fighting for my family. I'm done believing the lie that it's over, that it can't be won, that they're too far gone. God, tonight we just praise you because you are good and you are stronger than the enemy. Lord, I know he has done what he could do in this house to bring distraction. But God, I'm so grateful because he already lost and that's true in our families as well. So God, tonight as we pray this prayer and as we believe and we worship, I love that we started this with just a cry of worship because that's where the battle is won. I love that we started this with the encouragement of, of the children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho because it was, it was in the worship that the battle was won. So tonight we're going to worship you some more. And we're going to realize that it's in this worship time that, God, we're going, to, we're going to lift the name of our children up to you. We're going to lift the name of our, our spouse up to you. 
that God, we're going to, we're going to hand our, our issues over to you and we're going to believe and know that you are good and that you are in control and that you are able to turn things around. And God, we want a moment where you move the bus and we see your hand at work in our families. So God, we just praise you tonight. We're, gonna, we're going to praise you and we're going to believe that you're going to do exceeding abundant above anything that we could ever ask or hope for because that is the God that we serve. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. The altars are open if you want to come and pray. If there's family members you want to be praying for, the prayer teams are going to be down here if, they, if you want somebody to pray with you. But I just want to encourage you, before you leave, we just take a moment and do battle for your family in this place. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.